Good morning. I hear my name and everything. <laughs> Good morning. It's wonderful, wonderful to be here at the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. My name is Reverend Aaron Walter, and it is a great joy to say that because this is my first time uh, in the pulpit today um, as a reverend since you and Wildflower Church co-ordained me back in the fall. So thank you so much. I'm so happy to see you. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we welcome persons of all religions, ethnic and racial origins, sexual orientations, abilities, and other circumstances. We extend a special welcome to our visitors this morning. We are so glad you're here. A little about me before we get rolling today. I am the affiliated community minister of Wildflower Church. Wildflower grew out of this congregation about 15 years ago when the South Austinites got sick of the traffic. And so we are kinfolk with y'all, and I am serving as Wildflower's community minister in the YMCA of Austin. So I'm a chaplain, and I dance with the people, sing with the people, do some community organizing. We're getting ready to um, bust out our Y shirts in pride uh, this summer. So the Y has come a long way, yes, yes. So, but it, it, it brings me great joy to connect. That's also why I'm wearing sneakers, y'all. I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm, I'm representing my people um, back in that community. Rather than wearing cowboy boots, I'm in my sneakers today. So that's, that's me, and I'm looking forward to getting to know you and um, being in this time together. Let's light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. The words for reading in unison are in your order of worship. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning comes from the playwright Anna DeVere Smith. She is a new film that's also going to be a stage play here at Zach Scott called Notes from the Field, and it's about the school-to-prison pipeline and mass incarceration. And when she spoke about this film, which could be a heavy topic, she also said this, So many people are doing things against the odds with no guarantee whatsoever. I feel we are living through one of the most hopeful times we've ever had. To help give us focus and direction, this church has worked assiduously to craft a mission statement, which has recently been uh, revised. Uh, Of course, now, with construction and the coming in of the walls, we are closer to our mission statement than ever before. I would ask you to join me in repeating that. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. I want to invite you into a time of centering and connection. This reading comes from a mason jar at a grave in the desert between Tucson, Arizona, and Nogales, Mexico. In 2015, I was on a border witness trip with clergy from around the country to learn more about our country's immigration system. 
we are going to read a poem from Oson Perez from Mexico, winter 2003. He dedicated it to the right to live in peace. The title is For Those Who Have Died in the Desert. In memory of those searching for a better life who encountered only death. In memory of those who risked everything and lost everything. They went with hope in their eyes and challenge in their souls. The sun burned them and the desert devoured them and the dust erased their names and faces. In memory of those who will never return, we offer these flowers and say with the deepest respect, your thirst is our thirst. Your hunger is our hunger. Your pain is our pain. Your anguish, bitterness, and agony are also ours. We are a cry that demands justice so that no one ever again shall have to abandon their land, their beliefs, their children, their parents, their family, their roots, their culture, their identity. We are a silence that becomes a voice so that no one has to go into exile and be consumed by loneliness. We are a voice in the desert that shouts, Education, education for all, all. Opportunity, opportunity for all, all. work for all. all. Bread for all, justice for all. We are a voice that the desert cannot drown out. That insists the nation give equally to its children the chance to a life that is dignified and seemly. I invite you now into a time of contemplation, prayer, meditation. My colleague, the Reverend Erica Hewitt, a UU minister and cancer survivor, wrote a blog post about what her gym that she went to for recovery after cancer taught her about welcome in worship. And she says, we are here holding space for people to find their center, to fill their spiritual tanks, to find a little mercy and courage to take with them into the week. During this time of silence, may you seek and find that mercy and courage. After the quiet, please feel free to come forward and take a pebble from the bowl, place it in the water as a symbol of casting your worries for all of us to bear with you and spreading your hopes and memories to the vast ocean of creation for all to share. Let us enter into sacred silence knowing always that the sounds of children and our bodies are very sacred too.
My daughter and I went to our first big concert together on Friday night. She's nine, and we went to see Kesha, one of my favorite singer, songwriter, pop stars. Kesha sang a Dolly Parton song, too, so I'm feeling really in good company. And she sang songs from her latest album, Rainbow, about her years in an abusive relationship. This was a precursor, a significant one, to the Me Too movement. The language and tactics the U.S. administration uses to separate families and imprison people for crossing the border is very much like the language of domestic abusers. And I just can't get this one part of a Kesha song, Praying, out of my head. In it, she addresses her abuser, and instruments go silent in the middle while she wails. Sometimes I pray for you at night. Someday maybe you'll see the light. Oh, oh, some say in life you're gonna get what you give, but some things only God can forgive. And then she screams. Something high-pitched and primal, and it brings tears to my eyes every time. I've never heard a scream like that on a record before. I do remember feeling like I wanted to scream like that. In 2015, when fellow clergy and I witnessed the mass sentencings, I cannot call those brief moments in the federal courthouse in Tucson a trial, just really sentencings. It's called Operation Streamline. They do that here in Texas, too. Immigrants come in by the dozens, are brought in, shackled like slaves from antebellum slavery, and they are slaves because being taken to for-profit prisons means your body is making money for someone else. They come in mass and they plead guilty if they understand, after all those days in the desert, for committing crimes that shouldn't be crimes and that for ages were not crimes. And so this is where I'm at right now about our cruel and imperialist immigration system, wanting to scream some things only God, only the divine can forgive. Now, as a Unitarian Universalist and a humanist myself, beloved community, this, you, are my experience of the holy. So it soothes my heart to be here this morning, even as my heart breaks and aches. Before we can get anywhere near forgiveness, though, we have an epic reckoning to do. And you'll let me know if I can do anything about the sound. Is it me? <laughs> okay, bear with me. Um, an epic reckoning. A lot of work. Slow tedious, unglamorous, but totally possible, totally doable work of changing policy, of closing these prisons, of getting out of the inhumane business of caging humans.
Now, the immigration piece of this is part of a much larger... (sighs) Sin is one of the words that comes to mind, but whatever word you want to use of mass incarceration and just the need to lock people up that the country has. And if you haven't seen the documentary 13th yet, I beg of you. It's on Netflix. It's directed by Ava DuVernay. We watched it at the Y for Juneteenth this week, and it, it weaves together all the history, all the things to help us understand what's going on here when it comes to mass incarceration. 13th is the name. And I told the first service, and I'll tell you, I feel a little nervous up here. It's not just because wearing sneakers in church feels weird to me. Uh, It feels very weird. But we have to be able to be uncomfortable. Um, But also, many of you know more about this issue than I do. You are doing such good work. You are a sanctuary congregation. You are the Austin Sanctuary Network, grassroots leadership, Raices. Some of you are immigrants yourselves. So I'm just coming here today to just be with you, to be together in this mess, to know that the crisis around family separation and internment camps has only been at the national forefront for a week, and already the tendency is to cycle on to the next thing, or to say it's a distraction. And let me say to you, I have faith in you, that you can care about more than one thing at a time. That we all can. And that we can minister to each other through this time. I asked my community yesterday online. I asked you, what would you want or need to hear today if you came to my church? And some of you did come, and here is what you said. I took your words, and I made a poem out of them. God of many names and boundless mystery, give us respite from the news. Connect us to our spiritual strengths to do the work we need to do without sinking into despair or apathy. Show us how to find hope in hard times, to be empathetic ones, to stay tuned in When there is so much suffering, we want to learn. We long to heal, to experience peace. We ask permission to take care of ourselves, even as the world requires action. Bring us songs of unity, of hope, of love. Holy One, open a wellspring for our black indigenous, POC, and immigrant family. May we honor and hold their place, their spaces in our movement as sacred they are. See them, lift their spirits, and surround them in your unmistakable grace. My friends write, send us a message. Recognize our fear and pain and overwhelm. Share our burden. A young black friend says, I just want to hear that as a queer woman, my experiences are valid. That I'm valid. Yes. Yes. Another friend writes, I need help. I feel frozen. 
spirit of life, unfreeze us. May we embrace this present moment as a teacher, not checking out. May our community actively work for a better life for all, knowing that if we wait for perfect circumstances to feel fully enough, rested, prepared, comfortable, or unanxious, we will never act. Knowing that in being for and with others, we will be strengthened alongside the divine. May we know our spiritual and blood ancestors who flipped tables and raged against the machine. And may we know that we are never alone. Friends, thank you. I know those of you who shared those moments are not alone and that someone here resonated with what you asked for. May you receive. So, I love that song, Wildflowers by Dolly Parton. I love it. And I am so thankful to get to sing it today with the musicians. That y'all are amazing. And I argue with Dolly Parton in my head constantly during that song. I believe everyone cares where they grow. I believe that your growing here matters. I believe that people being able to grow in a safe place matters. And I love that affirmation that we can always survive And at the same time, everyone doesn't survive our immigration system. I have seen those graves. Everyone does not survive. I am more in agreement with Warson Shire, the Somali-British poet, who wrote in conversations about home at a deportation center. No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. You only run for the border when you see the whole city running as well. No one chooses refugee camps. Now, when times are hard, and it's hard for different people in different ways right now, and some of us may be here on the best day of our lives. I can tell you that Kesha show with my daughter, that first concert with her was one of the best days of my life. And I can hold at the same time that Things are really hard too. And so in those hard times, the spiritual tradition that I have come to love is the lamentation. This is the art of naming and releasing. And I want to share it with you today. You heard some of that from my friends and I'm going to do some of it too. The way it works in in simple form is you address a complaint to someone or something If you're a theist, you can address it to God. If you love this church, you can address it to this church. You can address it to your inner wisdom, but name it and claim it and address it to someone. Then you confess trust. Trust, even if it's an uncertain faith. And then you petition for a solution. In the most profound laments, you hold nothing back. So Reverend Derek Jackson, one of my uh, seminary teachers in Chicago, says, beg not for small favors. This is not the time to minimize your complaints and be polite. The universe can handle it, whatever you have. 
And then this is really important because even in the hardest times, there's always something to be grateful for. You express confidence and gratitude at the end that your lament has been heard and that action will be taken. You trust the universe to be a compassionate listener, as Buddhist Thich Nhat Hanh describes it. So I grew up in this church, and when I was coming up here, we did not really pray out loud. But I have come to really like it, and despite all the dislike of hopes and prayers that you see in the media, I know that a lot of people coming through that desert are carrying prayer books with them, and I know that... I need all the help I can get. So in this work, I will take hopes and prayers and actions and everything. And so I'm going to share my lament with you. Spirit of life, please hear my cry. Hear the cries of children in detention camps, calling out the phone numbers they have memorized of relatives who cannot yet hear or hold them. We will hear them. May we be the ones to help bring them back together. Give us faith informed by ancestors and history. Faith that knows refugees have been making a way out of no way for as long as people have traveled this earth. With deep and abiding faith in our community, I know that top down is not the only way to get things done. It is just the way hierarchies like to get things done. We know change can come from the roots, the stem, the branches, all the parts of the wildflowers, the insects, and even, yes, that wind blowing us along. Every lament needs a petition, and so I ask, I demand that profit and greed release our souls, release my soul, that our nation wake up to a sense of enough, that we have enough, that you are enough, that there is enough to go around. Enough divisions. Ya basta. Enough already. With every confidence, I know my prayer is being heard. I know because you are divine to me and you are here. And I am thankful for you. Blessed be and amen. Thank you. Thank you for being that divine community. So scholar and author Monica Coleman, who is a contemporary black womanist theologian, womanist theology centers the experience of black women and it envisions Jesus as a black woman. She says, womanist theologies understand that salvation is not always liberation or freedom from all pain and suffering. It is also survival and quality of life. And it requires the cooperation of the world in which we live. Coleman says that while God offers salvific resources, humanity must take advantage of these resources to affect salvation. That's our universalist history talking. The universalists, when they were coming up, believed that all would be saved. 
And we, in this day and age, in UUism, tend to believe that we're going to take care of each other. So you translate it however your theology works for you. But when I hear that about the cooperation of the world, the survival, the quality of life, I remember a story. And I'm going to tell you a couple of quick things before we do some more singing together and then get out there into the world to do the work. When the current administration took over office a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, and ICE seemed to be all over Austin, and we were using ICE Watch hotlines to look out for our neighbors, keep them informed of potential threats, a friend of mine asked on Facebook whether this hotline was legit that we were passing around. She said, and I quote, I called, and it was just some chick's voicemail. And I love my friend, and she absolutely meant well, and I know that she wanted to make sure that this call was really going somewhere that could help. But I just hear those words, just some chick's voicemail. Friends, that's the revolution. Some chick's voicemail. Believe with me. Some chick's voicemail is going to change this world, and it already does, and it already is, and some of your voicemails are doing that. Some dude's voicemail is the revolution. Some trans person's revolution is happening. Just don't look away just because it's voicemail. So what I want to say is is that there are little things that we're going to do, and we're going to take care of each other, and we're doing it, and we're going to do more. So what I've learned from grassroots organizing, from that clergy trip to the border, is that we have to save each other in little ways. All of the folks there were like, tell people, just take care of each other in little ways. Call a friend who's been missing from church, who stopped coming to the Black Lives Matter meeting, who's not showing up at whatever. Check with them. Make a meal for someone who's going through depression, who's fallen off your radar and you haven't heard from them. Trust in the power of community to do this and to take care of each other when you're having one of those days where you're like, I can't. Help someone on those days. And then when you need hope, I want you to remember three names, if you can. I know I told the kids it takes a lot of tries, but here they are. Allison Jimena Valencia Madrid. We're going to call her Jimena. And Charlotte and Dave Wilner. People like you, individual people like you, who have made a really, really, really big difference this week. Jimena, I think of her now when I hear Kesha's song praying and and the scream. Jimena was the six-year-old girl recorded repeating her aunt's phone number in the detention center to try and get someone to call and connect her with her family. And that act of resistance that she wouldn't even be able to call it at six, right? She doesn't know this is an act of resistance, but calling out her phone number in the midst of all the crying so she could be heard. And then the world hears. And now people who maybe hearts are coming to this cause, to this work, to this revolution now are coming to it because a child opened their heart to it. And we'll take everyone. Whenever you can get here, we'll take you. We're going to need to be in this together. So I believe that her work, or that this six-year-old's voice is going to save a lot more kids because of what's going on with people like Charlotte and Dave Wilner. Have you heard about these folks? They set out to raise $1,500 a week ago in a Facebook fundraiser for RAICES, the legal aid organization for immigrants that's all over Texas. Does anybody know what number we're at yet? We're over 20 million now. Over 20 million dollars. 
that's a that's not enough, but it's a lot of legal help. It's a lot. So they had no idea that that was going to happen. So just trust that to do something is going to mean something, and you don't know how much. So I, I want to recommend to you, there's a webinar on YouTube called the National Immigrant Support Network webinar published on Thursday. I'll also send it to church so it can go in, in Facebook or something. But there are two staff members from Raices talking about the work, talking about what they need volunteers for, talking about where the money's going. And it was extremely hopeful to me to hear about just the nuts and bolts work that they're doing at the bus stops, at the um, centers with legal work. If you are feeling hopeless, please, you don't have to be. There's people out there who've been doing this work for a long time who would love, love, love to have your money or your time or your prayers, whatever you can share right now. Miriam Camero, a social worker with Raices, said one of the things you can do is just accompany. Just accompany a family. Be assigned to a family when the time comes. Go with them to their meetings. Help them find Wi-Fi when their phone runs out of minutes. Show them where the Starbucks or the library with free Wi-Fi is. Those things that we take for granted. And she said, it sounds like you don't do much, but this accompaniment, the emotional impact is crucial and important to them. I just want to repeat the words of Anna DeVere Smith. So many people are doing things against the odds with no guarantee whatsoever. I feel like we are living through one of the most hopeful times we've ever had. Please stay hopeful. Please find your fist bump. Please find your way of welcoming people. If it gets too hard, come dance with me or cry with me at the Y. Have faith in yourselves, in our beloved community, and in the power of small actions. Will you join me in reading the words by which we extinguish this chalice, the symbol of our faith? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. And our benediction today comes from Dr. Howard Thurman. Keep fresh before me the moments of my high resolve. In good times or in tempests, I may not forget that to which my life is committed. Benediction part two is a song. This comes from Shoshana Jedwab. She's a Jewish activist. The words are based on the book of Ruth. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.